listening to the Mystical City of God in a Year podcast. I'm Father Edward Looney, and throughout the year I'm reading and reflecting on this four-volume, over 365-page work by the Venerable Marie of Agreda. And if you'd like to follow along in your own four volumes, you can acquire them from Tan Books. And at checkout, use the code PODCAST15 and you'll save 15% off. And if you'd like to discuss today's readings, head on over to Facebook, and there you'll discover the group, Mystical City of God in a Year podcast. And there you can interact with other listeners as well. Today is day number 71, and we are reading from book two, chapter 14. And today we'll be reading paragraphs 615 to 622. Chapter 14. Explanation of the different kinds of divine visions enjoyed by the Queen of Heaven and the effects which they wrought in her. 6.15. The grace of divine visions, revelations, and raptures. I do not speak here of the beatific visions. Although they are operations of the Holy Ghost, must be distinguished from justifying grace and from virtues, which sanctify and perfect the soul in their operations. As not all the just, nor all the saints, necessarily have visions or divine revelations, it is evident that sanctity and virtuousness can exist without these gifts. It is also evident that revelations and visions are not dependent upon the sanctity and perfection of those that are thus favored, but upon the divine will. God concedes them according to weight and measure for the ends which he wishes to attain in his church. Wisdom 11.21 God can, without doubt, grant great and most exalted visions to those who are less holy and only inferior revelations to those who are of exalted sanctity. The gift of prophecy and the other gifts freely given, gratis data, he can give to those even who are not saints. Some of the raptures, moreover, can arise from causes which have nothing to do with moral virtues. Therefore, if any comparison is made between the prophets, their sanctity does not enter into calculation, for that can be estimated only by God. But the divine light of prophecy and the mode of receiving it must be made the basis of the comparison as to its being more or less exalted in its different aspects. Thus it happens that charity and virtue which make their possessors holy and perfect depend upon the will while visions and revelations and likewise some of the raptures affect the understanding of the intellectual part of man, the perfection of which does not in itself sanctify the soul. 6.16 Nevertheless, though, the gift of divine vision is distinct from holiness and separate from it. The divine will and providence very often joins them according to the end and object in the gratuitous gifts of special revelation, For sometimes God ordains them not for the public benefit, 1 Corinthians 12, 7, and for the common good of the church, as the apostle tells us. Thus, the prophets, inspired by the Holy Ghost and not filled with their own imaginations, 2 Peter 1, 21, spoke and prophesied to us the mysteries of the redemption and of the evangelical law, 1 Peter 1, 10. When the revelations and visions are of this kind, they are not necessarily joined with sanctity. For Balaam was a prophet and no saint. But generally it suited divine providence that the prophets should be at the same time be saints, preferring not to be preferring not to deposit, at least not easily and frequently, the spirit of prophecy and of divine revelations in impure vessels. In some instances he, as the all powerful, 
did choose to act in this manner. Yet, not to mention many other reasons, he did not ordinarily wish to derogate from the power of his divine truths and teachings by the bad life of the instrument. 6.17 At other times, the divine revelations and visions do not pertain to things of so general an import, and they do not concern so much the common good, but only the particular advantage of the one who receives them. Just as the former are the effects of God's love toward his church, so the latter, the special revelations, are the results of the special love of God toward this particular soul. He communicates them in order to instruct the chosen ones and in order to raise them to the highest grade of love and perfection. In this kind of revelations, the spirit of wisdom transcends through successive generations of holy souls, making them successively prophets and friends of God. Just as the efficient cause of the revelations is the love of God shown to some particular souls, so also their final cause or object is the holiness, the purity, and the charity of these very souls. God chooses this means of divine revelation and vision in order to gain this end. 6.18 I do not therefore say here that revelations and visions are the indispensable and necessary means for the making of the saints and the perfect, Many are such by other means, irrespective of these benefits. But even supposing this truth, that the concession or denial of the particular gifts depends solely upon the divine will, it is nevertheless also a fact that on our part, and on the part of God, there may be certain reasons of propriety which induce God to communicate them more frequently to his servants. The first among several is, that the most proper and convenient means of rising to eternal things, entering into them, becoming spiritualized, and arriving at the perfect union of the soul with the highest good, is the supernatural light concerning the mysteries and secrets of the Most High, which comes from revelation and vision granted to it in solitude and its excess of mind. For this purpose, the Lord himself invites the soul with many promises and caresses, so it is oftentimes shown in Holy Scripture and especially in the Canticles of Solomon, 6.19. The second of these reasons of propriety concerns the Lord, for love is impatient to communicate its favors and its mysteries to the beloved and to the friend. I will not now call you servants, nor treat you as servants. Our Lord, the Master of Truth, said to the apostles, For I have manifested to you the secrets of my Father, John 15.15, and Moses says of himself that God spoke to him as a friend with a friend, Exodus 23:11. The holy ancestors, patriarchs, and prophets received from the Holy Ghost not only general revelations, but many other private and particular ones. And these were tokens of the love in which God held them, as is seen from the petition of Moses to allow him to see the face of God, Exodus 2313. The same is shown by the names which the Almighty applies to the chosen soul in calling it spouse, friend, dove, sister, perfect, beloved, beautiful, etc. Canticle 4, 8, 9, 2, 10, 1, 14. All these titles, though betokening much of the force of divine love and its effects, yet fall far short of that which the Supreme King operates in those whom he wishes thus to honor. For the Lord is mighty to do all that he desires, and he alone knows how to desire as a spouse, as a friend, as a father, as the highest and infinite good, without limit or measure. 620. 
The truth loses nothing of its force by its not being intelligible to carnal wisdom, nor by the deceptions of carnal prudence, through which some souls have been led into false visions and revelations forged by the devil in the garb of light. This deception has been more frequent in women on account of their ignorance and their passions. However, it fell upon many men who sought to appear virtuous and wise. In all of them it has arisen from an evil root. I do not speak of those who with diabolical hypocrisy have feigned false and apparent revelations, visions, and raptures. But I speak of those who have been deceived by lying visions through the agency of the devil, although such things do not happen without sin in consenting thereto. Of the former, it can be said that they deceive, and of the latter, at least in the beginning, that they are deceived. For the ancient serpent, knowing them to be little mortified in their passions and little practice in the interior perception of the divine things, implants into them with astute subtlety a proud presumption that they are much favored by God. The devil robs them of their humble fear and inspires them with vain curiosity to know high things by revelation, to be favored with visions, and to be distinguished in such things above other men. Thereby, they open the gates for the entrance of Satan. He fills them with deceitful and false illusions, far distant from divine truth, yet having the appearance of truth in order to conceal his poison and deceive the soul. 6.21 The way to avoid such dangerous deceit is to live in humble fear, and not to aspire to high things, Romans 11.20, not to judge of our advance in the tribunal of our inclinations, and not to trust to our own prudence to leave judgment to God. His ministers and very well-informed confessors, who will search into the intention of our acts. Then it will soon become known whether the soul desires these favors as a means of virtue and perfection, or in order to obtain honor among men. The most secure path will always be not to desire them, and always to fear the danger which at all times is great, and more so in the first beginnings." For the sensible sweetness of devotion, even when it comes from the Lord, and what it is not in posture of the devil, is not given because the soul is already capable of the solid food of his greater favors and secrets, but it is given as the food of the little ones, in order to draw them away with greater earnestness from the faults and induce them to greater self-denial and sensible things, not at all in order to make them imagine that they are advanced in virtue, even raptures which spring from admiration suppose ignorance rather than special love. As soon as our love becomes ecstatic, fervent, yearning, quickened, full of activity, and inaccessible, impatient of any other presence except that of its beloved, and if besides all this it has a full command over all the affections of the heart, then the soul begins to be rightly disposed to receive the light of mysteries, revelations, and of divine visions, and so much the better will it be disposed toward receiving them the more it esteems itself unworthy of the reception of even much smaller favors. Wise men will not be surprised that women have been so much favored in these gifts. For besides being more fervent in their love, God also favors them for being the weakest among creatures, and so much the more appropriate witnesses of his power. Women are also more wanting in the inquired signs of theology than learned in men except when the Most High infuses that science in order to illumine their weak and uninformed judgment. 6.22 Having established these principles, we must acknowledge that in Most Holy Mary, 
even if there were no other special reasons. The revelations and visions of the Most High were more exalted, more wonderful, more frequent, and more divine than those of all the rest of the saints. These favors, just like all the holy gifts, must be measured by their dignity, her holiness, purity, and also by love, which her Son and the Blessed Trinity cherished towards her, who was the mother of the Son, the daughter of the Father, and the spouse of the Holy Ghost. In proportion to the greatness of these prerogatives were also the influxes of the divinity, Christ and his mother being infinitely more beloved than all the rest of the angels and men. The divine visions enjoined enjoyed by our sovereign queen can be divided into five grades or kinds, and I will describe each one of them as far as has been revealed to me. This concludes our reading for today, day 71. We have been reading from chapter 14, paragraphs 615 to 622. This chapter here is a very interesting chapter. Let's go back to what this chapter is called. Explanation of the different kinds of divine visions enjoyed by the Queen of Heaven and the effects with which they were wrought in her. So today, in our beginning of this chapter, and this is going to be the first time we've done something like this, I think, but we're going to have four different readings from chapter 14. It's a very long chapter, and so one of the readings I think is a bit longer, and one of the readings is a bit shorter. So just be prepared for that. But I think this is going to be a very interesting reading. And so our introduction today to this chapter then in the paragraphs that we read were all about what divine visions or revelations are. So tomorrow, for example, we're going to talk about Most Holy Mary's clear vision of the divinity. Now, at the end of our chapter today, Maria Vagrata said that there are five grades or kinds that she is going to describe. So that's the first one that we have. The second one is abstractive visions of the divinity enjoyed by Most Holy Mary. Intellectual visions and revelations of the Most Holy Mary, that's the third. The fourth is imaginary visions of the Most Holy Mary, the Queen of Heaven. And then we have corporeal visions of the divine origin enjoyed by Most Holy Mary. So we have these different visions then that we are going to be looking at over the course of the next three days. I think we're aware of, especially if you're listening to this, you're probably aware of the different Marian apparitions throughout the world that Mary has appeared. Again, we can name the popular ones. Lourdes, Fatima, Guadalupe. We can think of Champion. We can think of Belgium, Borang and Bonneau. The Miraculous Medal in Paris or Rudebach. There have been so many apparitions of the Blessed Mother. And so these are visions that have been given to certain individuals. And we heard in our reading today that, you know, sometimes God chooses the least among us to have these visions. And isn't it interesting that so often they're children, they're uneducated people that receive these revelations. And so then not only are they humble and meek, Sometimes, too, maybe God wants to reveal himself in this particular way to a sinner. There have been stories of this, Bartolo Longo or Alphonse Ratisbon, that really God broke in through a message that Mary gave to them. And so God chooses the visionary and speaks to them. So we know all about these very popular apparitions of the Blessed Mother of Jesus, even of St. Joseph and other saints. I have a strong feeling that there are lots of people who have experienced mystical phenomena, 
that maybe they receive messages from God and they don't go and they tell everybody. They're not meant for everybody, but there are these personal revelations that you have received. I know for myself, one time praying in a chapel, quite clearly, I believe the Blessed Mother spoke to me in the words that came to my mind. I never would have thought of what was being said. And maybe you've had some sort of similar experience. The supernatural is something that we can't totally understand. These revelations are meant to bolster They're meant to increase our faith. Now, in terms of the public apparitions of the church, we have studied them. We've examined them. We've said it seems that they are worthy of belief. There are certain criterion that we analyze them and understand them. Now, look at a condemned apparition like that of Nisida in Wisconsin. There's really no fruit there. It's a dilapidated grounds. Not a lot of people go there. It's been condemned by the church. And so you have that alleged apparition. It's been investigated. It's been condemned. And there were lots of reasons for the church to do that. So the church wants to help us. And we call all of these revelations private. So What we're reading in the mystical city of God, these are all private revelations received by the Venerable Maria of Agreda. So you don't have to believe in any of this. You can take what you want. It can bolster your faith, but it's all private. It's not public. It's not the gospel. Just remember that. But as we're reading it, it's touching our hearts. It's encouraging us to grow in virtue. It's inspiring us in our love for God and the Blessed Virgin. So that's why we're reading the mystical city of God. These visions are meant to bring us closer to the Lord. And how interesting it will be to understand in the next few days the different visions that Mary was gifted that God allowed her to experience. I'm Father Edward Looney, and throughout the year I'm reading and reflecting on the mystical city of God. I'm so grateful that you joined me today, and I hope that you'll join me again tomorrow. May God bless you, and Mary pray for you.